We acknowledge the First Nations peoples of this land, the traditional custodians, and pay our respects to their elders past, present, and future. We recognise the ongoing impacts of colonisation and the importance of a voice to Parliament to ensure the sovereignty and self-determination of First Nation peoples is respected and upheld. We commit to working together towards a just and equitable future for all Australians. Hi, I'm Keely, and it's Monday the 13th of March, 2023. And I'm Wentz. And you're listening to The New the Blur. I can't take it anymore! Good afternoon, good evening, good day, and good morning, Blurtsters, wherever you are around the world. You are listening to The New Blurt. That is 100% uh, true. You are listening to The New Blurt. But uh, this is actually recorded. This is not a live session for a change for a few reasons. Uh, one is when you can't make it on Tuesday. That is absolutely fine. And we want to ensure we get the go, uh, show for you. So tonight, uh, the segments we have, Green there done that. I'm going to talk about the wind turbine uh, issues and arguments. Are they a good thing, especially if they're uh, going to be wiping out rare species? We'll, we'll find about that in uh, the northwest of Queensland. And also we've got Blurred on Blighty. Apparently Stop the Boats is back. And Rishi Sunak is the one that's taking the title from uh, Scott Morrison, who used to say that they were always on water matters, so he didn't tell us what was going on. Very happy not to say that uh, name too many times on this show. But anyway, sometimes you have to. The roundup subject will be indelible Indigenous. And if you've listened to this program before, you will know that indelible Indigenous is all about First Nations. Tonight, as you can see from our background, we are talking about the Yes campaign. But we are going to discuss the No campaign as well, just to try to get some sort of idea of where they may be coming from. Um, but we are very much staunch Yes campaigners mm-hmm. on, this, uh, on this show. But, but anyway, and saying that, before I go any further, I would just like to acknowledge I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country, the Kulin Nation of the Wurrung. And uh, something I found out today, and it would have been good if I knew this a while ago, that Wurrung part of the Woi is language. And so therefore, oh, yes, so there are many, oh. many, uh, yeah, so many tribes around uh, mob around Australia that are the something Wurrung because that's their language. Oh, right. So. There you go. Still learning. Still learning yeah, about always the culture. Learning. It's been around for 60,000 years plus. It's a bit That's sad. Right. But there you go. We're, we're right on board and we're trying to do our best. So, <laughs> Sovereignty was never ceded. Always has been and always will be Aboriginal land. Good evening, Oensi. G'day, 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 matey. Before we kick off um, or before I continue, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I live and work, the Yagra and Turbaral peoples. Uh, sovereignty was never ceded. We're in for a quick show this today, I think, like you said. Um, lots on tomorrow yeah. for me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's it's a short week for all of us, isn't it? So, But we've got some really important stuff. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. It's, You've oh, got a public yes, holiday. No. Oh, I forgot. You've got a public holiday. It's yes, Labor Day yes. for you guys. Yes, yes, it is. Or, That's true. Or Moomba yes. Day. Yes, Moomba Day, apparently. Mm. But um, I believe that now how true this is or not, I'm not sure, but I'm sure you'll know what I'm about to allude to. Moomba, the translation in uh, Indigenous, I think it was something to do with the bump. I don't know. I, I do, yeah, I do recall it being something strange, but... Um... There, there was a myth about it, but, you know, uh... I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, as you know... Or you may not know, kangaroo was only named kangaroo because the indigenous were actually telling the colonials to go away, and they 
saw these animals in the background, mm. and so they heard them go, Ongaroo, Ongaroo. And so they thought they were saying kangaroo in their right. English yeah. language, but they weren't. They were saying, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have no idea. Yes. Uh, well, that comes straight from the Dark Emu. So, uh, yeah, I think it's called Dark Emu. Um, and it's absolutely worth reading. Uh, really, really worth reading. But, yeah, uh, yeah look, uh, you wanted to bring, a, bring up a couple of things on banter uh, tonight. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscars. I don't know if you ever follow the Oscars, um, mm. Mm. but yeah, big, big things happened um, uh, early today. Earlier today, Sunday, America time. Oh, do um, First Asian woman to win Best um, Actress award that went to Michelle Yeoh uh, for what's this movie called? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> The first and Asian ever. First Asian woman ever. Um, for everything, everywhere, all at once. That was an absolutely incredibly awesome movie. I still haven't seen it. I now Oh, you are kidding it. me. You are kidding me. It, it's been on my to-do, my to-watch list. And I just you, haven't you, got around to it. you got to make time. I think it's right. like nearly three hours, I think. Yeah, and I think that's why I've been delaying it because I've just got to work out where am I going to fit three hours. It's it is a cracker. It mm. is an absolute beauty. I mean, you might be able to just watch it in bits. I watched mm. a Scorsese one that went for three hours a year yeah. or so ago in mm. bits like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's an amazing film. Um, mm. The the Oscars, I think, um, didn't uh, Jamie Lee Curtis win um, best supporting actress? I think for yeah. um, that movie. Uh, was it for that movie? I, was, I can't remember. I didn't look into hers because. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I was more interested in in this big big one with the first Asian woman. But um... yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the same movie. Oh, so I didn't realize she was. Jamie in the Lee same Curtis movie. is in a movie. Yeah, she's awesome. So, she's absolutely okay. unbelievable. Right, because um, they everything everywhere all at once almost swept all the awards. So they got best picture, best actress, best director, best film editing. Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Supporting Actor. Oh, wow. Seven. The Supporting Actor was amazing as well. It's just an amazing movie. It it Mm. really is. I I wouldn't mind watching it again. It's it's hard to explain. It's a sci-fi movie, isn't it? Really weird and quirky. Yeah, sort of and not. Yeah, it's interesting. yeah, you just got to watch it. It's really hard to explain. It is. It's mm. it's one of the probably the hardest movies I would have to try to explain. But what I can say is there's a lot of amazing kung fu in it. It's very cool. <laughs> awesome. She yeah, does yeah, a lot of those uh, movies. Well, yes. she's been doing a lot of movies like that. Wasn't she in um uuh Crouching Tiger? Yeah, Crouching Tiger. Thing. Yeah. Was she was she in that one? Crouching Tiger. I'm pretty confident she was, yeah. That was her, was it? Oh wow. Yeah. Well, she she's absolutely amazing in this mm. and she definitely deserves to win. There's no doubt mm. about it. The story's awesome too. So and another thing with the Oscars, best documentary, I think, went for one called Navalny. Mm-hmm. Which is all it. about Navalny, who's the opposition leader of uh, Russia, who's in jail because oh, that guy, Putin yes. tried to yeah. So I don't know if the documentary is available now, but uh, it's definitely something I want to have a look at. It looks mm. it looks amazing, and uh, yeah, one best documentary, so it must be pretty yeah. damn good. But, um, um, 
another one I wanted to talk about was um, uh, the best actor. Um, the winner of the best actor in a leading role went to Brendan Fraser for the movie Whale. Have you seen that it, one? No, it's again, it's on my to do my to watch list. Interestingly, he um, he won also the Critics Choice Award a few weeks ago, the SAGs, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, recently, and the Oscars. So he won three of the five that. Um, normally happen around this time of year. So he missed out on the Golden Globes and the BAFTAs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the, the whale was um, was very much promoted as uh, an amazing movie of his time. Mm. And uh, Brendan did an amazing uh, job in the role. So mm. obviously it looks like that's come through um, uh, with fruition, fruition mm. actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely one I want to have a look at. It's I, I can see it's going to be a tough watch. Have you got the story there? What it's actually about? No, no, I often don't want to know what the story is about because it ends up spoiling it for me. Yeah, the few trailers I did see and reviews that I, or not reviews that I actually listened to, but commentary about the movie when it came out was just awesome. It's just really interesting, and I really wanted to watch it at the time, but. I'll have to watch it wherever I can now. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen The Whale no, either. Yeah, but okay. I don't know if it's on streaming yet, so I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that's pretty That's uh, pretty cool stuff. And, and as yeah. you say, first Asian woman ever, mm, I think, ever. wasn't it? Yeah, to first, win female, first actress, female Asian. Yeah. Yep, correct. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely yeah, phenomenal. That's a great achievement. So, um, yeah. And one other little thing I wanted to talk about, um, yes. speaking of streaming services, Netflix won four gongs for uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. So, oh, was that, a, was that a Netflix original, was it? Yeah, yeah. So streaming services are now heavily competing against the Hollywood studios. Have you seen that movie? No. That's a long one too. Oh, jeez. Why do they make them so long? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It makes it hard to watch. It does. Yeah, they've got three or four hours in spare yeah. in their life these days. Yeah, I know. I get it. I totally understand. Actually, talking about in their life these days, um, little birdie tells me that you've been getting a lot of rain up there again. Yes, uh, we had quite a bit over the weekend. Um, yeah, it's to the Scary point where rain? no, not really. Um, definitely not as heavy and continuous as it was last year. But it definitely um, made you wonder, could it happen again? But it didn't rain that long. Oh, bugger. I'm not ah, excuse that. me. Sorry. That was me sneezing. Oh, I had to oh right. Uh, yeah, okay. so, yeah. I thought your fiber had let you down. <laughs> no. Oh, geez. It's great having fiber, but that's another story. <laughs> well, actually, um, no, we don't have, we don't have uh, a lot of time tonight. But anyway, so no. the flood, floods in Queensland, though, they have been uh, pretty bad um, up north, though, haven't they? Yeah, up uh, country wide, uh, country way. So I think it's uh, Burktown up near the Gulf of Cal- Cal- Carpentaria. So, oh wow, that's yeah, right so, up there, yeah, wow. so not down here, down south, southeast Queensland way. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, there's been regions up there that have been pretty hard so um know what they're going through been there um so yeah done yeah, that. Hard, yeah 
heart goes out to them. Hopefully they can recover quickly and they get the services up and running. So that's been, I think, the last three or four days they've been suffering all, all that extra rain up there. Can't even yeah, well, blame a cyclone for it. It's no. It's just the weather. Yeah. Just, yeah, I know. It's going a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. Um, look, people, you are listening to the new blurt. We'll be back in a minute. Instant. Uh, but these fires are certainly not a function of climate change. They're just a function of life in Australia. Why would a scientist want to change people's vote? I mean, uh, this, this is... The, the, you saw the spin over the past week as they drip-fed... The that came the, out last month, which found one in four Americans is sceptical of the effects of climate change and thinks this issue's been exaggerated. It's cold. You're listening to Green There, Done That on the new blurt with Wincy and the Kexer. You are indeed. And, um, yes, those uh, horrible voices of mm. past that uh, still hang about like a bad smell. It was uh, quite interesting. Ed Husick, who is a senior minister in the, um, uh, the Labor cabinet, was having a bit of fun in that. He was saying to Peter Dutt that he's turning into, you know, Mr. No. It's Mr. No on mm. everything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's Captain No number two. It is Captain No number two. But the interesting thing is that I think he forgets he's only got 26 seats. And I, I don't mm. know what miracle he thinks he's yeah. going to win the next election. Because I yeah. am telling you right now, he is not going to. No, he cannot because win. All, the, all that's going to happen is there will be more green votes mm. and less Labor votes. But there will not be more conservative votes. No. And potentially more teals. Yes. By the next elections. Yes, uh, definitely. I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, look, with our uh, green there done that, I, I think I'll go first just because mm-hmm. mine's a it. little bit of a Debbie Downer. And mm. then you can bring us up with a, um, a good okay. news story. So, All right, sounds good. Good plan. Yeah, so I think so. I hope so. So, yeah. <laughs> so, what I want to talk about is wind turbines. Now, as a rule, as a rule, I think wind turbines are a great idea. I think wind farms are a really good idea. I like. I find it a much better solution than mm. digging up a you know a massive uh, quarry mm. of um, of coal that has been there for like fifteen million years or whatever, mm. and then you just dig this stuff up and sell it off. I agree. So I think, but this is the problem, and this is the sort of these are sort the sort of dilemmas now that we need to deal with and we need to look at, and the dilemma here is that the wind lab wants to put 80 turbines and 150 kilometres of tracks on a site inland from Ingham to build the Upper Burdekin Wind Farm. Now, the problem with this is that the proposed Upper Burdekin Wind Farm is 4.8 k's from the boundary of the Wet Tropics World Heritage Area. Right. Now, I'll just show a photo. So that looks like a volcano. It does, doesn't it? It's pretty amazing stuff. But um, the proposed, proposed 1 billion wind farm in North Queensland, backed by Apple. Apple. Okay. Wow. And the majority owned by billionaire Andrew Forrest. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. I Competing can, I can... things and wow. Well, I can see they're trying to do the right thing here mm. from a climate change perspective in that they're trying to put wind farms up 
and um, you know, and and stop our um, need for fossil fuels for how we mm. power our houses, etc. But as I say, these are the dilemmas that we have, which is would have an unavoidable significant impact on four threatened species, including the koala, the great gliders, and um, and I think there's a I think there's also a um, an eagle or something. Yeah, some sort of eagle that could be threatened as well. So now this is according to the project developer's own environment report. Right. So it's slightly damning. Um, So And they're supposed to have independent uh, um, environmental impact statements as well, aren't they? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, but what I meant was that mm. the, the, the the yeah the biased ones already said that they think they're going to lose species. So mm. you can imagine what the independent ones going to say. So, yeah. Um, so it's got here that uh, the government authority that manages the World Heritage Park said it was very concerned that the cum- cumulative impact of five proposed wind farms in this area were poorly understood. Queensland, the biggest greenhouse gas emitting state in Australia, mm-hmm. announced last year a $62 billion plan to decarbonise its electricity supply. Right. And by 2040, more than a third of the state's power is expected to be um, from wind. But this is the problem. A public environment report published by WinLab says 769 hectares will need to be cleared. I hate that. Just, mm, just hearing just, that is terrible. Yeah. yeah including the habitat of four nationally threatened species. 662 hectares of Shaman's Rock Wallaby habitat. Wow. 746 hectares of the Koala habitat. 709 hectares of the Northern Great Glider habitat. And 745 hectares of the Red Go Shark habitat. Wow. And the Red Go Shark is Australia's rarest, rarest bird of prey. Everything oh, I just wow. mentioned then are all endangered. And the eagle or that kite, eagle or yeah. kite? Did you say it's uh, it's called a, it's called most. a goshawk. It's it's called a goshawk. Um, goshawk. Never, never heard goshawk. of that. No. So. so and that's the most threatened of all four. Yeah. And well, Ingham the is thing is close to the uh, close to the ocean too. Well, so the it's... rock wallaby. Right. So I've got a lovely picture here because I know you like pickies. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a Go beautiful short. looking bird, it's a fantastic looking bird, and yeah, it is. It's amazing. When we went uh, kayaking on our holidays just uh, recently, we were really, really lucky. We um, we had these kites. They were, um, I think they were called black, black-tailed kites or something. But it was amazing because okay. I've never really seen sort of eagle and massive birds of prey in mm. the wild. Ever, yeah. um, and uh, when we were kayaking, we were just kayaking down the side of the river, and we just looked up, and you just could see these five massive kites just mm. just allowing the wind to take them. It was just wow. one of the most awesome things I've ever seen. Well, you're pretty so impressive. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely awesome. So, um, so yeah. So hence the um, the urgency here of mm. making sure this is done. Is done correctly. Look, um, it's a, so it's a, is that is that project completely signed off to for it to be done, or is there still 
No, I don't. I don't believe. No, I don't believe that is the case. I think mm. they're still looking at it. So, the Queensland government has begun a review of its state planning guidelines to ensure the renewables are being built in the most appropriate locations. Considering that Queensland's the biggest land clearing state in Australia, mm. yeah. um, and Queensland government needs to get a move on and complete and release the planning needed to identify the right places for a renewable rollout. Uh, look, that may 100% um, well be true, but it mm. looks very much like this is definitely not the right place. No, no. Surely so, they can go find somewhere else to put those wind turbines. Uh, this is what the company said. We need many wind farms of the size of WinLab is pro- pro- proposing as quickly as possible, he said, adding the council's greatest concern was the cum- cumulative impact of several, several wind farm proposals. So this is uh, currently projects that are encouraged to develop close to the existing transmission line and assessed under nature protection laws that are inadequate to ensure essential habitat is protected. Mm. This can't solve either our climate crisis or our biodiversity crisis. Yeah, it's a real, real, real issue. Yeah. So, um, But as you said, WinLab will submit its final report to the federal government for environmental approval later this year. Mm. The company said it expects to start construction in 2024 and start right. sending back to the grid in 2026. Well, I can tell you on this program, I really hope that does not happen. Mm. Yeah, let's hope we they just, can find an alternative location where we, there's less impact. No, no, well, you're right. I mean, we can't just go and just tramp on the biodiversity of this country because we need to sort the climate change crisis. We need to sort mm. it with the biodiversity of this country, not mm. against it. Yeah, I mean that that defeats all purposes. We'll have nothing to to live for. Like, yeah, you know, it'll be just a barren wasteland. Correct. Anyway, that's my Debbie Downer, and uh, (laughs) we will we will follow that, and we'll see Mm. how that goes uh, at at the end of the year, and we'll definitely come back on this program and say what the report is, and uh, hopefully Mm. it doesn't go through. And as you say, hopefully they find a um. Just to lift the spirits a little bit, on to positive news in Alberta, Canada, uh, which is northwest of the country, so getting close to Alaska. They are now using more renewables, um, i.e. wind, solar and um, hydro, um, than coal. So in the last 10 years, they've doubled, uh, nearly doubled from 7% to 13% in the last 10 years. Coal has declined from 50% to 12% in the same time time period. Amazing. Especially for amazing. Canada. And especially yeah. for Alberta. Alberta's quite a, it's a moderately red state. Mm, I, I, yeah, it's quite a Trumpy likey. So, um, oh, that's good. So part, part of what they've done is they've had a rapid decline in um, phasing out coal-fired power plants that's contributed to the reduction but to replace sorry do you mean decline or increase increase sorry the rapid phase out of coal-fired yes yeah sorry yeah yes i was like i don't quite get that yes sorry yes you're right unfortunately what has replaced coal because there's still a big gap is natural gas so still replacing one fossil fuel with another but that will decrease so Natural gas went from 41 to 73% as a result of the coal going to gas. I think given another 10 years, if they can get the 13% renewables to double or triple even, will be um, quite possible, I guess. I think if, if governments 
have the will, they can do it. And we can see that places like Alberta and other parts of the world, when they do replace with renewables, they're not really missing out on uh, the generation of electricity. So we saw it in South Australia where they're now, I think, 100% renewable with batteries. They're very close, aren't they? Yeah, and so it's definitely doable. Um, it just comes down to the yeah the will of, of the politicians. Um, and and mm. do you have any anything um, in there talking about sort of how how the voters feel about it, or how the the locals feel about um, the fact that coal is uh, declining and they're using different um, uh, sources for their power? Sure about that, but I know. Part part of the other innovations that they've done is um, replace better equipment. Uh, so, for example, wind turbines have a higher capacity than old ones, so they've made them more efficient. They're using double-sided solar power solar panels so oh, wow. that it captures the reflection of the sun from the ground, especially in winter, so Amazing. that it ga- gathers extra... Um, yeah, generation of the solar um, energy. Just while you're yeah. on so- solar yeah. at the moment, just while you're on, I was watching Gardening Australia the other night, and oh, yeah. we were watching we were watching something fascinating. What they did, they've got a uh, building in I think it's in Sydney. I think I think it's mm-hmm. Sydney. It could be Queensland. I can't quite remember, but um, they've got a building on top of the roof. They've planted it fully out, so it's a green green roof, oh, nice. and it's got native plants everywhere, mm. and on top of those native plants, etc., they've got um, solar panels. Oh wow! On top of the plants. Yes, they've got solar panels Ooh. right across. They've got over three hundred solar panels. Right. And so it's like like a like a like a roof protection thing for them. Well, the whole idea is that what they found out by doing these experiments. This is all sort of set up uh, by a university, etc., a research team. Mm. They found out that um, solar panels work best at around about 25 degrees. They're most efficient at mm. putting um, power into the grid. Yeah. Right. So what they found out was there was another building that was opposite them. I think it was mm-hmm. a um, essential building or something. And they've got about 300 odd panels on their roof, mm. but they have no greenery around it. And right. they're, their panels heat up to like 50 or 60 degrees mm. on really hot days. Right. Because their panels reflect off the cement of the roof. Mm-hmm. So the efficiency of what they're actually putting back into the grid it pales in its significance of what this mm. green roof um, with the solar panels had on. Wow. Yeah. It's absolutely wow. Who would have, who would yeah. have thought? Yeah. I had no it's, idea. That's how important plants are. It's mm. just, you know, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah, so it's so it's phenomenal. So, you know, that's when we have to think about, well, where are we going to put the solar panels? Well, then you have to mm. think about, well, how are you going to do it as well? Because yeah. if we just dump it on someone's roof like that, you mm. don't get the efficiency that we're looking for. Yeah, you know, so how basically... do you do it for households who have it on their roofs? Yeah, you can. You can. If someone's got a flat roof mm. and, and their house is built well, yeah, they could do that. Yeah. They could do yeah. that. We so you've can't. You've got to plan that. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd love to, but we can't. Um, mm. Just the shape of our roof, etc. But yeah. I am definitely, definitely looking at solarizing this house this year. Mm. Um, 
definitely need to get that done. So awesome. that's, that's definitely like, a priority. Sounds good. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, um, but yeah, so so that's, I mean, your news, excellent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just adding to that different um, power sources. Yeah. Uh, it just shows you that, okay, we can use solar. That's great. But it shows you we can actually use it more efficiently. Yeah. Which is better for the environment as well. Mm, exactly. You know, this is... This is the hilarious thing, you know. Some of yep. things are better for the environment and they actually work better for yeah. us as well. And keeps you the cities cooler if you've got more yeah. greenery around the solar panels as well. So yeah. it's a win-win. Well, for, the other th- – sorry, go for it. No, I was just going to say uh, we, this is why we need more researchers in this field and releasing those reports so that we can hopefully convince governments and local governments even um, to do all these – uh, extra things, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the um, the greenery and the roof that they created was was so good. The biodiversity mm. was so good on top of that roof that they started getting um, quite a lot of bees in. I can imagine. And the beautiful thing was they started getting some native blue banded bees in. Oh wow! Yeah, and that is an oh wow situation. Mm. So. This is the thing. It's the old field of dreams. You know, you build yeah. it and they'll come. It's, yeah. you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's pretty it's phenomenal no, stuff. It's a no-brainer. It is. Yeah, you're spot on. It is a no-brainer. Um, we'll be back in a minute with Blurred on Blighty. Hey, this is Hannah Melville-Ray from the Australia Institute. I'm listening to the new Blurt with Wensi and the Kegster, and you should be too. It's on Tuesday night, live from around 8 p.m. Well, it normally is. Normally. Good to go. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Cut this out. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to go. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. I'll go first on this one. Um, Coolio. Blurt on Blighty. This is where we chat about goings on in the UK, the mother country. Yes. Um, yes. Should we mine? still? Should we? Should we? Should yeah, we still refer to it as that? We I should, mean, really. No, I know. It's more the motherfucker <laughs> of a country, really. It is. I know. Look at what they did to us. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Look, they did yeah. the poor old bloody indigenous people in this country. Mm. So. Yeah, exactly. Which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes. Um, we will indeed. Yes. We will indeed. But yeah. I'm going to talk about. Um, the BBC, and I'm wondering whether their actions is the opposite of woke. Oh, if that's okay. a thing. The Beeb. The Beeb. What, the what's Beeb. the Beeb doing? The Beeb is cancelling Sir David Attenborough's latest episodes um, or series. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold your horses there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what did you just say? The BBC are about to cancel Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> That's not that's on. That's right. That's right. That's not on. That's not on at all. Um, he must be, what, in his 90s by now? Mm. Um, and he's still producing um, docos. So good, good on him um, for, for, yeah, keep working. Uh, keep on working. My English is gone as well. Like, I can't use language <laughs> tonight either. I mean, it's a yeah. shame we're doing a show that we need yeah. to talk. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, so he's created a, a new documentary about um, the British... Sorry, it's a series called The Wild Isles. So it's a documentary that looks at the beauty and nature of the British Isles. 
there's six episodes in the in the series. Five of them will be aired on the Beeb on public on the TV, but the last and sixth episode um, will only be played on their iPlayer. I think it's called, which is oh, equivalent yeah. of the Australian yeah. iView. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. only available online. Oh, on VPN. So, um, or VPN, yes, which I desperately want to watch this series just to see what it's all about. So why that, are they, that why, why are they doing that? What's what's the uh, um, significance so of that? Right. The okay. contentious episode um, talks about um, the large losses of natural habitat in the UK over the last few decades, especially especially the last few decades, and they talk about the possible causes of of that loss. One of the things that they talk about in the episode is a concept called rewilding. Oh, yes, um, I know about that. You've heard about that? Yeah, so that's yep. where they... Um, yes, just finished a book on it. Ah, there you go. You'll probably um, correct me here or, or fill in the gaps. But um, my understanding of it all is that at large scale, they try to regenerate lost habitat. Um, and bring in the species back and things like that. So apparently that is quite contentious against um, uh, for, for the right-wing um, parties and the media in the UK. So it sounds like the BBC... Do you know why we, that? Do you know why it's no, contentious? What's contentious no. about? I know when Ness was reading uh, the book, uh, there was a lot of people in the area... Uh, this particular guy that's rewilding his mm -hmm. whole area that used to be mm -hmm. like a farm. It used to be a farm and it's a lot of acres right. there. Yep. So to a lot of people that don't understand biodiversity and don't understand what rewilding is about and why you would want to do it, um, we'll just sort of go, okay, why is your farm so tatty? Mm -hmm. Why is it overgrown? Why do you have all these things just running around and not, behind fences and mm. and all the rest of it. So um, why there would be a right-wing um, right sort of backlash, I'm not, mm. not sure. Does, yeah. it, does it say in the article? I'm not really across it. Um, no, it just talks about that, yeah, the right-wing are just against it and they've had lobbyists talk to the Beeb and so we don't um, agree with this rewilding um concept and and the way that's done so uh, i don't know maybe maybe there's a way of getting it pub um aired to in on the tv with a bit of public um commentary perhaps uh, but yeah it's definitely the lob lobby groups that it is just hanging on to onto the old ways and um, I get, uh, and I guess part of it is about the farming and the game industry, like you just mentioned, that um, that it might upset those those industries that what they're doing is maybe incorrect, or that maybe their lands need to be repurposed and taken back to um, to to be used again to, to rewild or, or bring back those lost habitats. Maybe that's the fear. And so the right wing's just going to play off that. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, something no. that's re really, really interesting down this uh, road is that the Scottish Rewilding Alliance mm -hmm. has today set out the five key choices 
that they have to make during the next session to tackle the nature and climate crisis. So the Alliance, which is campaigning for Scotland to declare itself the world's first rewilding nation, is urging all of Scotland's political parties to commit to the following policy changes. So to bring in robust deer population management, reducing overgrazing could allow to 2 million hectares of peatland to recover and native woodlands to regenerate and expand, soaking up carbon dioxide, reducing flooding, restoring more diverse landscapes. Well, why wouldn't the right wing be against that? That only makes yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, so it makes sense why they'd be against it. So um, it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, this this is a classic example. The, the, to back the reintroduction of keystone species, including the rehoming beavers beyond, yeah, there used to be beavers in the UK, believe it or not. Mm. beyond their current limited range and considering a pilot reintroduction for the Eurasian lynx. Yeah. So, oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a lynx years ago, but it was mm. all completely destroyed. Yeah. Um, where there is local support, suitable habitat and stakeholder buy-in. So, yeah, that, look, that's a really interesting story. And uh, I think we should keep on top of that on, yeah, on, on this follow. segment. Yeah, mm. I think so. So maybe uh, stick that in your um, homework to keep an Bit eye on homework. Yeah, we'll do. Um, now that's that's beautiful. Have you got any more on that, Wancy? No, no, that that's right. everything I've got. All right, no, that's perfect. I've got some really crappy stuff, but unfortunately, sometimes you just you just gotta show it how it is, mm. so that you can understand how you don't want it to be. It is this country and your government. Who should decide who comes here? We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. Do not risk your life. Do not waste your money or risk your life. Because you will not be entitled to a life in the UK. No one who attempts an illegal boat journey to Australia will ever be allowed to settle here. Stop the boats. To stop the boats. Why are you being a dickhead for? Stop being a dickhead. Yes, I agree with you. Oh, I can't believe. And I'm not surprised that yeah. Melk has actually said that because yeah. he was part of the yeah, of course he was. problem. So, of course, he's not yeah, going to yeah. um, say anything bad about but stopping there's the a nice There's a nice juxtaposition to that. So mm. just have a quick listen to this. Okay. Oh, let me get rid of this thing you'll, so you, can see you'll, you'll, enjoy, you'll enjoy this. I know things seem hopeless at the moment with corrupt criminal human trafficking gangs running the country, fueling racism and division, absolute hunts abusing their positions of power for personal profit. It's said that every five years, at least two useless wankers with the IQ of a house brick will attain a position of influence in the Conservative Party. But there is something you can do. You can go back in time and not vote Conservative like a fucking idiot. But until we invent the time machine, you can make a difference today. A one-off donation of £100 will return Jabba Johnson to his home planet of Tatooine. A one-off donation of £50 will build a catapult strong enough to heat Pretty Patel into the sun. A one-off donation of £25 will buy enough ghost traps to eradicate the Ruiz Mob family line and end the class wars. Failing that, a one-off donation of your critical thinking will stop corrupt, lying, manipulating class holes from retaining power and help us reclaim our country. Make a difference today and stop voting for cunts. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's a bit harsh. All right, we're going to have to put an R plus rating on this one. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> ah, the truth hurts. What could you say? Uh, I mean, it's funny. It is funny. It's very the good. way she's delivered that. 
Oh, it's beautifully. It's beautifully done. Um, so yeah, if I can, if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. But I mean, if you don't have Twitter, you won't be able to see it. So mm. it, it may be on. Oh, it's on TikTok. Okay, Super Tansky uh, on TikTok. I'll see if I can find it. I'm sure we can find a YouTube of that. Same yeah, clip. yeah. I I, t- I think so. I hope so. I don't but, know about you, no. but I don't use TikTok, so I wouldn't no, know I, no, how to get no. it. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. I don't either. I do not either. Mm. Um, okay, my friend. Well, I reckon it's that time of the night where we finish off with um, a light some... subject. Yes, a very, <laughs> very light one. In 1967, we recounted. In 2017, we seek to be heard. And we invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. Absolutely. So as our, um, uh, title, as our background say, yes, we are mm. talking about the yes campaign, but we are actually talking about the no campaign as well. Mm. Um how we've gone with this, Wenty, I'm thinking maybe you should go first so that we can finish on uh, the yes note. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, so the, in the last few days or a day even, um, uh, I've seen news about uh, the opposition asking the PM for the definition of the word aboriginality. Oh, you're kidding. Um no, no. And the context of, of that request is that um, who's going to sit on the voice to Parliament if it gets passed? So it sounds like to me that they're trying to limit as to how far back you can go to claim Aboriginality to then be able to sit on this uh, on the on the voice to Parliament, which then just makes this whole de- debate to me, it seemed a lot more racist than, than than what it should be. Well, who was asking the question? That was the opposition Indigenous Australian spokesman, Julian Lisa. So I don't even think he's the minister. He's just the spokesman. But he has reiterated many times that he wants to know what that question, the answer to that question. Is he Indigenous himself? Uh, unlikely. It doesn't look like it. But I don't think he is. Well, in that case, it sounds pretty racist to me. Mm. But surely that's coming from the LMP and and Dutton and everyone else in the party. So, is, was, is this the right way to be arguing this this debate? Well, there's a couple of things. I was listening to Kai and Ma, who's a minister in the South Australian uh, government, just the other day. And he was saying that Peter Dutton asked 15 questions when he went into about the voice, when he went into the Mm -hmm. committee. Remember, they said, come in and, you know, ask as many questions as you need to. Mm. Kai Ma said that all of his questions were answered and they were answered successfully, et cetera, et cetera. So it it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how many questions he asks and it doesn't matter how many times they get answered. He's, you know, I mean... The fact is, he ignored the apology years ago. Mm. And then he apologised for in the parliament that long, not that long ago. He apologised for not turning up. And I think just mm. recently, didn't they have some sort of reunion for the apology or something? And he and he boycotted that as well, or some crap. So he didn't even turn up to that. Jeez, no. Does no, he ever learn? So, no, no. Well, no, no, no not no. at all, not at all. So, yeah. but 
I know that I know our friends um, nearly said the Republicans because wow, they're really turning into them. <laughs> um, I know that they, um, you know, they're probably going to vote no, mm. but. I'm also aware that there are groups around uh, with a progressive no. Have you got any mm-hmm. information on that one? No, I don't. You might have a bit more about it than me. Well, I know Lydia Thorpe is on the progressive no side. True. Um, as she likes to call it. Because uh, I think she's part of a party called the Black Seventy. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Bloody word. Um, uh, party. And um, it's... I'm just having a look here if we can find what is the progressive vote. How, da, 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 voting. That's not going to help. Um, yes, go for it. So even though Lydia Thorpe is... I guess now classed as progressive. No, she hasn't yeah. ruled out the yes. And it's so, 100% correct. That is 100% yeah. correct. So um, we still need to hear her voice, like everyone else's voice in this um, debate. But um, if we can just hear what else she wants to offer and others in the no campaign, we just need to listen to their arguments. And it's not about saying your opinions are invalid. We just need to understand where you're coming from, get an understanding of um, where we want to meet so that we can pass this bill so that, or referendum, sorry, not the bill, the referendum so that we can move on to the next step, which would be the treaty or uh, what's the third one? Truth-telling. Oh, yes, truth-telling, treaty, Um, uh, uh, yep. Yeah, so um, there'll be debates across the nation over the next few weeks in your local area, national. Let's just listen to everyone. Let's be respectful. Let's just um, – and we know that even in the Indigenous community, they're not all going to agree to a yes or a no. There's going to be divisions between all people, but let's just listen to everyone, whether yeah. you are Indigenous or not, and just um, get this through so that we can move on. It's never been tried before. It, it, the the design of it will be that it will put more voice for the people, the Indigenous, to actually get some um, input into the laws that we implement. Um, and not, yeah, yeah. So we just need to progress. And the importance uh, we need to get in the Constitution because it's so easily changed by legislation mm, if, yes. if there is a change in government. So hence the urgency and the importance to make sure it's in the Constitution. So, mm. But um, I was just having a look at some of the progressive no, well, no, if you like, um, uh, not surprising at all, but Indigenous businessman Warren Mundine is on the no side. Um mm. Until this week, it included the coalition senator Jacinta Napinja Price, who has since decided to direct her efforts to right-wing campaigners. Um, right. So Mundine told Guardian Australia that he and Napinja Price will be the public faces of the No campaign, travelling the country for barbecues and public events, but didn't expect to hold large town hall forums or rallies like the Yes side. Um, 
asked how groups will co- cooperate. Mundine says, recognize, that's what it's called. It's called, mm-hmm. it's called recognize a better way. Okay. Because they haven't had one for what I don't know how many years, 200 mm. years. So, yeah. obviously, you know, obviously, the one that they've been working on for five years by professors that are actually indigenous mm. and might have a clue, of course, why, why, why would that not be the right way? Yeah, anyway. exactly. Um, Mundine said the no side was also obtaining deductible gift recipient status. He said that one group already had uh, status and another was applying for it, but declined to detail which organizations they were. Mundine said he expected the no campaign to be fun, but he was Hmm. buoyed up by the results of their own polling and is expecting the referendum to be in October or November. Hmm. Um, So there you go. Right. Then you've you've got the Advance, uh, another group called the Advance. Advance Mm -hmm. came to prominence in the 2019 election, attacking progressive activist group GetUp and Waging an ultimately unsuccessful public campaign against the independent Zali Stegel. Um, as we know, she crapped on Tony Abbott. They were trying to get him to get voted back in. So you can, you know, you can get your good idea of what the advances. <laughs> anyway, Advance also campaigned prominently against the now Senator David Pocock in 2022, who I would um, argue, arguably say is probably just about the best senator one of mm. the best parliamentarian, uh, parliamentarians there. Yeah, yeah, he's done a great job absolutely. since last May. Yeah, absolutely. So, and funded the mobile and funded the mobile billboards showing the Chinese President Xi Jinping voting yeah. for Labor. The West Australian <laughs> Premier Mark McGowan branded the group idiots. Yeah. So, yeah, so voting no, no. I think that's enough of the no vote. I personally really believe Mm. that they're going to be a uh, small percentage. So the voice is the establishment of an Indigenous voice enshrined in the Constitution. Now, we've actually got um, a really good explanation, explainer of what the voice is. You would have been hearing a lot about the voice to parliament lately. So what is it? How might it work? And what's going to happen next? The voice would advise the Australian parliament and governments on matters relating to the social, economic and spiritual well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. It's part of a promise that the federal government campaigned on during the election to support in full the Uluru Statement from the Heart. The Uluru Statement from the Heart came out of a meeting in 2017 of hundreds of delegates from Indigenous communities all over the country. They came away with support for two things, a voice enshrined in the Constitution so Indigenous people could have their voice heard and the Makarata Commission that would supervise treaty-making and truth-telling. At the Gama Festival in 2022, the Prime Minister revealed his government was going to start on the first component of the Statement from the Heart, enshrining the voice to Parliament in Australia's Constitution. Enshrining a voice in the Constitution gives the principles of respect and consultation strength and status. In order to enshrine the voice in the Constitution, there needs to be a referendum 
the government says that there will be a big publicly funded education campaign, but they won't be funding the yes or the no campaign. They will be letting you make up your own minds about it. There is a political risk there that the lack of detail could inflame the no argument. A lot of that detail has been hammered out. And, and reports were provided to the Morrison government. We want to uphold the constitution and recognise Indigenous people. Those details in terms of uh, the broad principles will be out there uh, for all to see. One of the main arguments against enshrining the voice is that there is no detail on what it will look like. But since the Uluru meeting, two major reports into the model and potential structure of a voice to parliament have been published. The Voice Co-Design Process Report by Professor Marcia Langton and Tom Karma has laid out the recommendations for a voice to parliament and the Prime Minister says that this will form the basis of the potential structure and what it might look like. Professor Tom Karma says referendums should be about establishing principles, not details. And this is backed by legal experts who are... He's, uh, I think he's a former or current Australian of the Year or... Yeah. Yeah, I think he's an okay. elder Australian of the year, I believe. Yeah, I've seen you. Okay, interesting. I argue it isn't necessary for the details of how the voice will function to be debated before a referendum and that this will be determined by the parliament. What does the report recommend? The Voice Co-Design Report recommended that the National Voice have 24 members with gender balance structurally guaranteed. It proposes two members from each state, the Northern Territory, ACT, and the Torres Strait Islands. Another five members would represent remote areas due to their unique needs. One member each from the Northern Territory, Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia and New South Wales. An additional member would represent the significant populations of the Torres Strait Islanders living on the mainland. Members would serve four-year terms with half the membership determined every two years. There would be a limit of two consecutive terms for each member. Two co-chairs of a different gender to another would be selected by members of The Voice every two years. The National Voice would have two permanent advisory groups, one on youth and one on disability, and a small ethics council to advise on probity and governance. What wouldn't The Voice be able to do? The Voice would be an advisory body to the Australian Parliament and Government. It would not be able to veto laws or policies and the advice is not binding. It would not deliver services like Aboriginal health organisations or Aboriginal legal services or manage any government funding. It would not do research or mediate disputes. The Voice would be able to table formal advice in Parliament and a parliamentary committee would consider that advice. But there could be no court challenges and no law could be invalidated based on this consultation. So what happens if the referendum is successful? If the referendum succeeds, the government will legislate the final details of the voice. The legislation will be put before the parliament and debated and it is the parliament which will enact the voice. It is about improving the lives and the outcomes, which are completely unacceptable. There was a five-year process in the lead-up to the Uluru Statement from the Heart, and this is a gracious request. Why can't the government just legislate the voice first? The whole point of the exercise is constitutional recognition. Indigenous people ask for the voice to be constitutionally enshrined in the Uluru Statement from the Heart. That way, the voice cannot be abolished by governments of the day, although it can be changed. 
A permanent voice allows for a continuity of advice to governments, regardless of their political persuasions, and can help guarantee that policies that work are allowed to continue. It's also a way of hearing what people on the ground really want. Elected Indigenous representatives can speak of their own communities themselves without having to go to non-Indigenous politicians or bureaucrats. This is considered a better outcome for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people rather than having to start from scratch every time a new lot are elected. Does everyone support The Voice? Some Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are backing The Voice while others are not. Organisations and the corporate sector are getting behind it, as well as faith leaders, and a lot of politicians are also backing the voice, including independents. But others, such as the Nationals, including Walpole Celtic and T Senator Jacinta Price, are not. What it is on the ground that Indigenous Australians are looking for, and it is not more division. There are Indigenous Australians who do not agree with this, who do not know what this means. The Liberals say they are still working out where they stand. So I think the idea of feeding in the grassroots feedback and how that can influence policy is a very positive thing. I don't want to see a situation where the situation deteriorates over coming years because we've created a great big new bureaucracy. Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe is concerned the treaty will be overshadowed. Wanker by the voice and its constitutional recognition will undermine First Nations sovereignty. And include sovereignty into the Australian constitution that we are sovereign, all your legislation. Lawyers and constitutional experts have explained that the voice can't undermine or cede Indigenous people's sovereignty, but it is still a very prominent concern for many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So why do people think the voice is important and what could this mean for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? In the Yes camp, they believe that this is one way that Indigenous people can have their say on policies and laws that affect them. In the past, many, many policies and laws were made that targeted Indigenous people without their consultation or input. A painful example of this would be the laws and policies which led to the stolen generations. Many believe that the heavy-handed and top-down approach brought on by the NT intervention would never have happened if there had been an Indigenous voice to Parliament. So how hard has it been to change the constitution in the past? Well, the bar is very high. Successful referendum needs a majority of votes in a majority of states and territories. Since 1901, only eight of 19 referendums have been successful. No referendum has ever succeeded without bipartisan support. And right now, there are people on all sides of politics and the broader community, both Aboriginal and non-Indigenous, who oppose it. This is expected to be a long campaign and one that many Indigenous people fear could get ugly. It's important that we have respectful and civil discussions about something this important because it will be for every person of voting age in this country to decide. As I said, I don't think I can um, explain it any better than that. No, that is very clear. Well, all the details there. I don't yeah, know what absolutely. the opposition's after. Are they dumb? Oh, hang on. That was a stupid question. Yes, it was a <laughs> rather dumb question by yourself, actually. It really was. But, um, yeah, so I just wanted to play that, and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes anyway um, because there's pictures that go along with that, and if you're mm-hmm. listening to it on the pod, you may want to have a look at the YouTube video itself. But, um 
as I say, we will put the link in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she explained it um, so well, so succinctly. I can't really add, really add anything to it, although I must admit I'm very much the same as Noel Pearson. I do not understand why um, people, especially Indigenous people, want to vote no. It makes no mm. sense to me it, it, because yeah. because uh, it's not like it's not like the people that are voting yes don't want truth and treaty. They just want mm. something. Yeah, it's it's a multi-part solution. It so, is and it is and uh as I say there's a lot of work put into it so mm. you know but um but yeah, look, it's been a bit different. No, no, you go. No, all I was going to say, it's been a it's been a heavy show tonight, uh, people. Okay. So, uh, if uh, you're listening on the pod, uh, I, I realise, or if you're watching this on YouTube after we've uploaded it or whatever, um, yeah. But I mean, they are heavy subjects. But mm. unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of putting our head in the sand anymore. No, no, these topics um, need to be talked about. They, they do, and the more and more people that are educated about them, the more and more people that understand, mm. then we can get better decisions made and hopefully save this planet from incinerating <laughs> after, you know, uh, 10 years' time. I mean, yeah. I heard something absolutely hilarious on um, uh, on the Insiders this morning. It was absolutely hilarious. Mm. Um, this, this lady, she works for the Australian... Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if she's part Amish or what the situation is, but it was very interesting just seeing her on the show. And um, she said, trying to bullshit some crap about the superannuation, um, saying that, oh, they've done some studies, blah, 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 that in 30 years' time, tier for the superannuation hit is going to affect another, I don't know how many Australians she reckons. And I'm like, 30 years' time? You you're living in La La Land. Yeah. If, you one if, you won't be around. This is, um, this is exactly what I mean. I mean, you work for the Australian, and mm. your uh, owner is one of the biggest issues of why we have such a massive problem of disinformation of climate change mm. in this country and internationally. You are talking about thirty years time. You better mm. wake up, girl, because yeah. seriously, to God, we we need to do some shit, and we need to do it quickly. So. Yes, exactly. But anyway. Uh, I was just going to say, um, don't forget, everyone, to get your tickets to go see Keely at Kinesa. No. Kiniska. How do you say that? Kiniska. 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 Yeah, I will the, get it right it, by next week. That's all good. It's at the <laughs> Clock Tower in Mooney Ponds. Um, the uh, link will be in our show notes if you want to go. Tickets yeah. are about 30 bucks or something. We've got kids in the show, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. Look at that. There you go. There, there's the... For those watching. Magician. Yes. Look at that. It's just yes. below. Yes, he's very good. Clocktowercenter.com.au, Flemington Theatre Company, Canisco. There you go. Um, yeah, so if you like community theatre and you want to support community theatre, give it a go. Um, I've only got a little role in this one this time, um, but the rest of it seems uh, quite fun, so it mm. should be good. Yes. I wish I was there. Yes, I, w- I wish you were there too. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, you are not, which is a shame. No. But... That is okay. We will be there next week, and we will be live That's right. uh, next week with a bit of luck. Um, yes. And uh, we will see you then. So good night from me. And it's good night for me. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening.
The New Blurred is brought to you by Wensi and Kickstar, usually on a Tuesday evening. You can catch us on all the socials, as they say, the Blurt YouTube channel. We have a Twitter Blurt handle, and there is a Blurt Star Facebook page as well. So, if you're interested in getting getting in touch, it's uh, blurtstar at gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can if you've got any questions. Until next week, there'll be another feed coming at you. Has been a Get Off the Grass production. It's brought to you by Wincy and Kickstarter.